Welcome to the Sustaining Healthy podcast, a collection of informative discussions around all aspects of health and lifestyle. We're your hosts. I'm Chels, coffee lover and corporate professional who recently realised there's a lot to learn about health. I'm Ellen, doctor, nutritionist and dog mum with an interest in preventative and female health. Join us as we chat about a new topic each week and attempt to navigate the complex landscape of health. Together we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording, the Wadjuk people. And just a reminder, our intention for this podcast is to share information for creating and sustaining a healthy lifestyle. And although the information discussed is based on knowledge gained through our medical and additional studies, it is general in nature and for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended to be in any form specific medical advice or recommendations or replace any form of treatment. All health queries and concerns should always be sought through your treating health practitioner with regards to your individual circumstances. The opinions in this podcast are solely of those of the individual and do not in any way reflect those of their employers or training facilitators. All right, Elle, I want to say how are you, but I've seen you every day. So how are you health-wise? Oh, not too bad. It's been a pretty big week, but very exciting. Having our first podcast out and actually getting yeah, some really great support and response has been very nice. Are you happy with how we've gone so far? Yeah, surprised actually, but really happy. What about you? I am stoked. Special thanks to everyone that tuned in and all our kind messages and words. Um, We've been super grateful and overwhelmed by the support. Yeah, it's been amazing. And we had a lot of fun on the weekend celebrating just with a few close friends and eating plenty of sustaining healthy food and enjoying, I guess, yeah, celebrating the milestone, which has been fun. Well, let's get into our health wins for the week. Why don't you tell me what yours was? So I'm just having a think. My health win for this week will have to be that this morning for the first morning in quite a while, I managed to make it to a a 6am class. I usually really like to get my exercise over and done in the morning because afternoons I find I get busy or I'm tired and I don't feel like it. But lately it has been so dark and cold that it's made it very hard to get up. So I felt really good after getting to my class this morning and have been riding on the high since. I so admire people that do that. And there were times in my life where I was that committed, but I just hate getting up in the dark. It's so dark in the morning at the moment. Yeah. And we're still like three weeks away from the winter solstice, I think. Oh, I know. Summer's so far away still. But that's probably a good segue into today's episode. I'll just give you my health win first. Uh, Nothing major for me this week because I've been so flat out, but I was really uh, proactive yesterday in prepping my meals for the week. So that's my health win. And I took your tips from last week and I sprinkled on some nuts and seeds. (laughs) Well done. No, that makes such a difference, doesn't it? When you know at least you can go home and have food to eat and don't have to think about it. It does. So speaking of getting up in the dark, let's get into today's episode. How exciting. 
So today I thought we could talk about sleep. Now this is an especially important topic because last week your health win was that you were sleeping better. So true. I was taking trying to take my own advice. Um, but there are so many things that can affect our sleep and it can be a very it could be, I guess, a very long conversation. I thought we could just have a bit of a chat about the different strategies that we can think of when trying to optimise our sleep. So not going too far into different sleep conditions and things um, that can be for another time. Okay, great. So before we dive into strategies and how we can optimise sleep, can you give us a rundown on sleep in general and why it's important? Yeah, for sure. So sleep is really important for a lot of aspects for both our physical and mental health. That's when our body recovers and rejuvenates. Um, adults are recommended to have about seven to nine hours of sleep, but the ideal definitely varies between individuals quite significantly. So when we sleep, we have different cycles. There's our REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep and non-REM sleep that has three different stages, your light, moderate and deep sleep. And for that total cycle to occur, it takes about 90 minutes. And then as we sleep, we go through these cycle a number of times, depending how long we sleep for. Is that why sometimes when you wake up and your alarm goes off, you're really zonked and sometimes it's kind of like easy to transition into being awake? Yeah, exactly. Because it will depend on when that occurs in that sleep cycle. So we know everybody needs sleep, but the way in which it's regulated in the body involves a complex number of mechanisms and pathways. There are two main mechanisms, the circadian rhythm, which you might have been referred to, heard referred to as your internal body clock, and that regulates a variety of functions within our body around a regular approximately 24-hour cycle. We also have what can be referred to as a sleep-wake homeostasis that tracks our body's need for sleep. So there are a number of uh, structures in the brain that are involved in this sleep regulation, but which we won't go into too much detail, but it does include the hypothalamus, which can be referred to as the control center for sleep. And so this gets direct information regarding light exposure from the eyes. And this then in turn regulates the pineal gland, which produces the hormone melatonin that you might have heard before. And this helps us fall asleep. So when we're exposed to light, melatonin production is low. And this is when we're awake. And then when we're exposed, to less light and darkness, then our melatonin production is increased. So there are so many different factors that can affect our ability to sleep, um, including different medical conditions, medications, substances, different disorders, mental health conditions and physical health conditions. But today I wanted to think about, in the absence of those things that definitely need to be looked at or worked with a health professional, what are the general guidelines about good sleep practices for everybody? Yeah, cool. And this is a topic that I'm particularly keen on. I'm lucky that I sleep quite well now, but I've probably told you before that I 
had insomnia for quite a few years. And throughout that process, in consultation with my GP, I tried everything under the sun, including medications and adjusting all sorts of lifestyle factors. So I'm familiar with just about every concept you can consider in order to improve your sleep. Okay, so I think we all know how horrible you feel when you've had a bad night's sleep or, you know, a week or if you're on shift work or you're just struggling to sleep. Can we talk more about not just the immediate after effects, but perhaps the medium to long-term effects of poor sleep? Yeah, definitely. So, agreed. We all know what poor sleep can feel like immediately. So, it can affect our ability to think, regulate emotions and manage kind of day to day. But then there's also evidence to show the longer term consequences of having sleep disruptions. And so it can increase our stress response, um, our ability to cognitively function and with memory and performance, and also can have long-term consequences for our physical health. So increasing risks for things like hypertension, uh, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, and type 2 diabetes depending, uh, yeah, so looking at that longer-term consequences of how important sleep is. Interestingly, also having poor sleep can affect what we eat because when you've had low sleep, you're feeling low on energy and it can change what the body craves in terms of and uh, actually can also change the dietary intake. Let's chat a bit more about good sleep practices and what they might include. Yeah, so let's go back to the basics. So having a regular sleep time, both bedtime and wake-up time, can be really important because it helps your body regulate when is the usual time for sleeping. And that can even be – it doesn't have to obviously be to the minute, but being conscious of it, particularly with the difference between weekdays and weekends, that the more regular we can be, the easier it can be to have those, those regular times. Another thing that is important is avoiding screens in the hour or so before going to sleep. So that's computers, TVs, phones. It is definitely easier said than done. But we know that the light from those technologies limits our ability for production of melatonin that's going to make us sleepy and and help with that sleep later on. There are also a couple of substances to think about that affect our sleep. So both, I think caffeine's probably the one that we all think of and know of. And so avoiding it at least four hours before sleep, I think people can feel like caffeine doesn't affect them and they can sleep. But just because someone's getting to sleep also doesn't mean that it's affecting the quality of sleep, not just the quantity. I'm really sensitive to that. I actually try not to have any caffeine after midday. If I do, it's just a cup of tea, sort of mid-afternoon. And that's because I really notice the difference. Like if I can't have coffee after midday or I will really notice the difference. I also have to be careful about um, caffeine creep in my day-to-day diet because I get in this cycle where I'm tired so I have an extra shot of coffee because of that. I sleep less and I end up in this cycle and I have to be really careful of that. I have to break that cycle and I just stick to like one double shot coffee a day and that's it. My body would love to have like 
for shots, but I won't sleep if I do that. Yeah, and I think you also picked up on a important thing then is that caffeine isn't just in coffee. I think we can quite often forget that it's in our teas, including green tea and um, things like Coke. Lots of different substances include caffeine. Apples have caffeine. They're a good substitute for tea in the afternoon. Do they? Yeah. I did not know that. I think look at the dose of that. (laughs) Actually, it's like one of the most commonly asked questions on the internet. Do apples have caffeine? No, they don't. There we are. (laughs) I was like, I did not know this. Also, chocolate, I think. Yes, chocolate does. Dark chocolate does. Okay. So we mentioned caffeine. What other substances should we be considering? Alcohol also really disrupts our quality of sleep. Another myth is about you know, using a nightcap to get to bed. But uh, just because someone might be able to fall asleep with having a drink or two, it actually reduces the quality of, of sleep and is important to avoid if possible. Another thing that can really help with the quality of our sleep is exercise. But exercising not too close to sleep. I don't know if you've ever experienced when you have a sporting game or decide to go for a run late at night and then feel like you're wide awake trying to go to bed. So exercise is really good for physically exerting yourself, but avoiding it in that few hours before bedtime is also important. That just took me mentally back to my days at uni when I would play netball I think the latest game was 9.40 and there was almost no one that ever wanted to play that game because by the time you finished and then you have your like come down and you wind down for bed, it's just too late. I try to aim between like 4 and 6 or 4 and 7 is like my ideal time to exercise so that I can wind down naturally for bed. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's different about when it, when it suits them to exercise, but it's a good thing to be aware of. The other thing we can think about is the both the environment and our routine before bed. So in terms of the environment, um, we know that having a cool environment, so not being too hot, um, making sure it's dark, reducing distractions and reducing sounds are all important for trying to optimise your ability to get to sleep. And then... The other thing is the routine before bed. It can be easy, particularly with how busy lives are, to race around, be doing a million tasks, be scrolling on our phone and then try and fall into bed and wonder why we're having difficulty falling asleep. But it's really important to have that time to let your body know that you're winding down to get ready for sleep and finding what works for you. So, This might include things like having a warm shower, dimming lights, using mindfulness or journaling techniques to slow down. Reading is a really good option before bed as an alternative to phones. Um, And then if you're finding it hard to fall asleep because you're thinking or worrying about the things you've got to do, I find it really useful to write a bit of a to-do list or plan my day on paper before I go to bed because that way you're putting those things down, you're not going to forget them and then you can try and leave them behind as you go to bed. 
I must admit, I'm actually not great at having like a good nighttime routine. Like I do scroll my phone until quite late and then go to bed. And even though I can still fall asleep, it probably is affecting the quality of my sleep. So I need to reconsider that. But I do remember one point back from when I suffered quite badly from insomnia. And that was that there were nights when I really couldn't sleep. And then I got so in my head. And I used to actually get up, even though it was late at night or early in the morning, change my pyjamas, like reset what I was doing, wash my face maybe, and then go back to bed like I was starting my routine over. Yeah, and that's a really good uh, thought to bring up in terms of it can be really hard if you're thinking about sleeping and that you know it's important and you're trying to go to sleep that it can be really easy to exactly get fixated on it and it can do exactly the opposite. So there are recommendations and guidelines around suggesting that when you're not able to sleep to actually if it's been half an hour or so, remove yourself from the situation, keep doing those things that we talked about that help. So staying in dim lights, maybe it's getting up and making a warm milk or reading a book um, rather than scrolling and then going back to bed when you start that feeling of feeling tired again. Okay, so we're approaching the end of the episode now. I feel like we've given a little overview of sleep, why it's important, a couple of tips there. So Elle, any final comments around sleep or sleep hygiene? Yeah, definitely. So I think today we've discussed what is in the guidelines and general recommendations for looking after our sleep, but that these are for things to consider in general and aren't individual advice. It you are having or if anyone is having trouble with their sleep or have questions, concerns, it's something that's really important to be investigated with a general health practitioner because there are lots of different reasons that someone might be affected by their sleep and those things need to be investigated and treated appropriately. So these things are just the things that when we know that there isn't anything else underlying that we just can consider for looking after our sleep. And just a final tip for me, I'm not someone that does a lot of meditation or journaling or or anything, but the one thing that's always really helped me with my sleep is like a five-minute online wind down from an app like Headspace. It's something I really only do when I'm struggling to sleep, but it's a goal of mine to do it more proactively so that I have better consistent sleep. Yeah, I love that. I use them all the time. There's quite a few different apps and things that, or even if you just Google it, um, there's some great sleep stories or sleep meditations that can help for sure. All right, we should probably leave it there. So that wraps up the end of our second episode. Thanks so much for listening along with us. Really hope at least one of you manages to improve your quality of sleep and we look forward to speaking with you next week. And if you're looking for us, you can find us at our Instagram at sustaining.healthy or at our website, www.sustaininghealthy.com. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Chels. Bye, Els, and thanks so much for listening in.